Welcome to our final week uh, on spiritual disciplines. I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, we said we do just five weeks. There's lots more that we could cover, uh, but we only picked certain ones. Uh, we've covered prayer and scripture first, and then we did simplicity to remember. Uh, we did fasting and feasting last week. We did honoring the body this week, Sabbath. We're going to wrap it up with that uh, before we head into a, a series on the Gospel of Luke, which will lead us through, uh, through Easter. Uh, but Sabbath, uh, this is this is like kind of a favorite topic of mine. I taught on this at a men's retreat uh, back in October. So I'm sorry, guys, if uh, this feels like a little bit of a repeat. Most people, some of you are here, but the rest of you aren't. So all's well. Uh, but at its core, Sabbath, Sabbath. I hope you got kind of the feel of what Sabbath is about. It's new for you. At its core, Sabbath is about refraining from work for a 24-hour period in order to rejuvenate and rest, and kind of restore your body physically and your heart emotionally, uh, and to worship. It's a holy day. Sabbath is it's both an invitation and it's a gift. And kind of the main thing with Sabbath is this. It, rather than uh, defining ourselves by our accomplishments, by our work, or by our influence, a Sabbath invites us to find our identity and our rest in Jesus. And it was so appropriate this morning as Janet was leading us in worship uh, that we find our rest in you. Uh, we long for you, we rest in you. Absolutely appropriate as we head into this this morning. Um, so we're going to look at a couple Old and New Testament passages that teach us about Sabbath and about rest, why this is so crucial for us as a church, uh, both locally, but kind of the church as a whole. So turn with me back to Exodus 20. And we're just going to reflect a little bit on this, then I'm going to hit to Matthew, and then, and then we're going to kind of get practical and talk about some ways you can kind of live this out. Uh, so the context in Exodus 20 is Ten Commandments, right? Uh, God's uh, rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, he's brought them through the Red Sea, and he's brought them to Mount Sinai, and now at Mount Sinai, he is going to have a covenant with them. He's going to kind of make them into a new people. And he gives them what's essentially kind of a charter of, of ethical and moral um, instructions, ways to live. There's a lot of worship and a lot of social justice. But at its core, God is saying, I'm going to make you a new people. And this is what marks you as a new people. These Ten Commandments, and of course, many more, if you've read them recently. But part of this is that God wants to set Israel on a course so that they will be able to fulfill uh, the promise that God made to Abraham back in Genesis 12, that through Israel, God's going to mediate his presence and his goodness to the world. So one of the ways they're going to do that is by looking really different from the nations around them. You're going to be very God-centered, and that's going to have implications for how they live, how they use their time, and how they relate to one another, and family, and marriage, and all sorts of things. So that's kind of the context. It's a new charter for living. And so you discover some really important things, right? Uh, God's sacred. God alone is sacred. No idols. Uh, you worship him alone. Um, a person's uh, identity and their, their very own personhood is sacred. You can't kill people, right? Uh, their relationships are sacred. You can't commit adultery. Um, a person's possessions, what they own, that's theirs. You can't steal stuff. Right? Your word is sacred. You can't just go around lying. God's, God's name is sacred. You can't take it in vain, which doesn't just mean swearing. It means using it in a way for yourself, in a vain way, 
So, you know, saying, well, good, God's going to let me do this thing. And no, it's not. It's nothing to do with him. Using his name in a way that does not honor him. That's what it's about. It's not just swearing. So, your word's sacred, God's sacred, marriage and family are sacred irrevocably. What else do you notice? Time is sacred. To God, time is sacred. And it's interesting that God puts Sabbath right up there with don't murder and don't steal. Isn't that interesting? In God's mind, Sabbath is, is just as central uh, to living as the dignity of human life. And I think, it, I think it's, it's kind of, it's a bit odd that I kind of rubs you the wrong way because like, I don't want to take adultery and murder as optional, you know? To me, those are kind of important not to do those. But Sabbath? Really? I get not killing people. I get not sleeping around. But taking a day of rest, how is that even on the same kind of bar, right? I think we struggle. This is the one that is felt to be the most optional. You know? Of all the Ten Commandments, this is the most common, the most easily broken one. Because it doesn't feel as important. And I think the reason it's so kind of easy not to do this is because where the other ones feel like an act of kind of violence outwardly, you know, um, vengeance or lust or greed or something, not taking Sabbath is, is a subversive kind of thing. Because Sabbath deals with my pride. It deals with my own sense of arrogance and importance. And that is a more subtle kind of thing to do with than whether I hate someone enough to go do something to them, right? And kind of hold that at bay. But I can give in way too easily to the, the seduction to think that my work and my job are more important <laughs> than other aspects of my life. So this one is felt pretty optional. It's really not. And uh, the reason why is this. Sabbath, Sabbath radically redefines your sense of worth. I think for a lot of us, our identity comes in our accomplishments, in what we do. Some of us, it's our salary. Some of us, it's our influence. We have a lot of kind of things we say that people notice. They do things. Maybe we have employees under us. Sabbath tells me my identity is not my work. It's not the stuff I do. Maybe you're retired or maybe you don't have work. Um, but there's something you put your hand to every day. There's stuff that you do every day. Right? There's people you talk to, there's things that happen in your life. Sabbath tells me that, that stuff I do isn't what defines me. My accomplishments don't define me. Um, God defines who I am. My identity is rooted in God. So God addresses this really kind of practical rhythm in their lives. Now why would they need this? Think for a second about who they are. Right? So they're just coming out of Egypt. Who were they in Egypt? They're slaves. What are slaves to find us? What's their identity in? It's in their work, right? Absolutely. The only thing they've ever done before this is we work for Pharaoh. This is who we are. And now God's saying, no, actually, your identity isn't just in your work. It's in who you are in me as persons in relationship to God. And so your work's not going to be the thing that defines you anymore. It's going to be me who defines you. And I think that's so helpful for us that uh, I'm defined not by my accomplishments and my successes, but I'm defined by who God is and what God's doing in my life, not by what I do in my life. I'm shaped primarily 
by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Not whatever Nick accomplished in the last several years. No. What God is doing in my life and in your life is the most significant thing that's happening in your life. And it's that which should give you your identity and your value and your worth, who He is. Not, not about you and whether you have accomplished enough. Does that make sense? So God's saying, Your value is in me, so much so that you can take a rest day to stop doing all the busy stuff that you do and just rest knowing that I'll provide for you, that I'm the one who's got you. It's okay. You can kind of step back from this. So it's the same way for us. Um, by taking a day of rest, I resist that temptation to define myself by my accomplishments and my influence or uh, my busyness or my company loyalty, right? That doesn't, doesn't have the main sway in my life anymore. I'm who I am because of what God does in me. Um, is it possible, I remember asking this at the Men's Retreat, you guys will remember this too, um, is it possible that when we become so overly busy that we don't know how to take a day off, that we return to a sort of Egyptian slavery? That we purposely put ourselves back there? Um, because we don't know how to rest and trust God. I, that maybe shifts it a little bit and you go, whoa, okay. Uh, that's something to, to think about. So Sabbath is uh, really important for them as slaves because they're previously defined by their work. Now they can be defined by who God is and what God does. We find out God is a God who works and rests. So rest is important for them. It's a weekly rest. Look at verse uh, 10 with me. On the seventh day, whoa, dropping stuff. Pardon me. On the seventh day, uh, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. But who else? Not just you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant. Okay, everybody that works for me, great. And also your livestock, okay? And the sojourner, guy that is sobbing over, sharing, you know, he's the one sleeping on the couch. He's the guy that you're posting for a while. He's the guy traveling through town. Everybody, everybody takes the day off. It's a weekly rhythm of rest. It's one day at seven. So there's a rhythm that God's calling you to of work and rest, work and rest. Uh, but it's rest for everybody. Uh, so there's no kind of fudging. It's not as though you can say, well, I'll take rest as long as all the rest of my employees work on this day. No, it doesn't work that way. Everyone gets a break. You don't get a break at the expense of everyone else. It's a break for everybody. Uh, every wheel set up so everyone else can rest. And why do we do it? Look at verse 11. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. He rested on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, made it holy. So what happens when we take this rest is we're modeling our lives on God and his character. He's the one who rests. And so in the same way we can say, okay, I can rest too. Sabbath becomes this way of saying, God, you're my creator, you're my redeemer, it's you who sustains me, not my work, not my busyness, it's you who sustains me, and because I believe that I can take this day and cease from all kind of the busyness in my life. That's why Sabbath, as much as it's a commandment, is first and foremost a gift. It's a gift to you, that you don't have to take every day of your life being anxious running around, taking phone calls, checking your phone. You can take 24 hours and just be. God invites you into that. Um, it's telling. Uh, for the Hebrews, we, we often think of the day starts in the morning, right? 
I wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night. That's kind of how my day works. But in the Hebrew mind, your day starts in the evening. Everything about Genesis 1, right? It was evening, it was morning, first day. It was evening, morning, second day, right? Uh, their day starts at sundown. It's, it's an interesting thing, because what's happening then, if your day starts at sundown, what's the first thing you do in the day? <coughs> you go to bed. You begin the day with rest. So in the Hebrew mind, you start your day not by waking up and getting your to-do list going and hopping in the shower and making breakfast for kids and walking the dog and running off. That's not how your day starts. Your day starts when you go to bed at night. And it's like this statement of saying, God, my day, my life is so full. There's so much going on in my life. But you are the you're the you're the source of life. You're you're the one to whom I claim and trust. And so I can start my day by going to sleep and just resting in who you are. I can trust you so much, and God invites you to trust him so much, that the first thing you do with your day is to simply say, God, you keep going. I need to take a break. I'm going to stop, but I trust that you will be faithful to keep the world turning while I sleep. Right? You'll make sure things keep going. Businesses will keep running. My kids will be sleeping in the next spring. It's okay. It's okay. I think that radically kind of redefines things for us. For a lot of us, get up and we, you know, we got to get going. Then keep your mind, you start your day by resting. You start by purposely surrendering to God and saying, God, you start this day. As I begin this day, we just give it to you and we're going to rest. And once we've had our rest, then we'll get into the day. It's such a gift. So friends, God gives you 24 hours, not do anything necessary for work. It's 24 hours for restoring your energy and your body. It's to remind you that your worth's in God, not in your accomplishments. Um, and I think God, knowing that we would neglect this, makes it a command. Uh, you may say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. Like, Old Testament stuff doesn't count anymore, right? Uh, yes, some stuff doesn't count anymore, like animal sacrifice. Uh, the Ten Commandments never get put away, you know. Jesus says, I have come to abolish the law to fulfill it. And so there's a difference for us now where it's not as though Sabbath has to happen on a certain day. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But there's a biblical wisdom in choosing to rearrange your life to have a day when you do this. And that's why I'm not giving it to you as sort of a strict rule for you to kind of follow. Don't do it on Sunday or you don't you know, take it at sundown or something. You know, you're a terrible Christian. about that. But there's a wisdom for you in following the biblical example and realizing that as I surrender a day back to God, it actually does more for me than if I was to run around and try to work on the day. It does more for me. Uh, commands can feel kind of legalistic to us when we hear that. Ten commandments, it can feel kind of like a burden. But listen to how the psalmist talks about God's commands. This is really helpful. Psalm 19. If you feel like this is a burden, this is hard for me, think of how Psalm 19 phrases this. This is what the psalmist says. The statutes of commands, statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, it's enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, it's enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, sweeter than honey on a honeycomb. What's he saying? To follow God's commands is not a burdensome legalistic thing. It's what will actually bring you joy and freedom in life. To follow God's instruction 
is to find the path to true living. It's to find a deep-seated joy in a, in a busyness that kind of plagues our society. And so biblically, when you think of God's commands, it's not like here's this narrow kind of thing that God's making you follow. Rather, it's, it's saying here's the freedom to live as you're meant to live. Instead of trying to do it on your own and often kind of messing it up and feeling burdened by your sin, God forgives us and then opens us up to live and says, here you go, here you go. There's freedom here. Following God is life-giving, and it's full of freedom and joy. It's not confining. It's full of life. And that's what the psalmist knew, and that's what the people of God knew. Um, I'm going to probably pass over the Isaiah passage. You can look at that yourself uh, later on if you want. Um, But the passage is about delighting in God. Sabbath is not a burden. This is about delight. You get to stop what you're doing. Um, it says your pleasure. Turn your turn from pleasure. Uh, it could also be your business. Take a break from your business. So turn off your phone. Don't check your email. Don't text anybody. You know? Uh, or turn off the, the, the things that you do for idle pleasure. So maybe it's a day where you don't check Facebook. Right? It's a day to just not worry about that stuff. Many of us, I think, probably need a technology setup. We need to take 24 hours to just kind of unplug and, and not worry about being up to date, being caught up. That, there's an anxiety to that, a feeling I'm not, I'm missing, I'm missing something, I'm not checking this, right? There's a, there's a joy in not having that. Uh, but we're called to delight in Him. So before we move over to Matthew, quick summary. Um, Sabbath is about remembering God's our creator, he's our sustainer, he's our redeemer, we can rest in him, we can depend on him, he's making us holy as we take this rest. Uh, It's designed to remind us it's not our work that defines us, it's him who defines us. Our work's important, it's valuable, it's good, uh, but we can rest from it, we need to rest from it. Or the limits of your own human, your humanness will tell you when you've reached the end and you will need to rest, your body will need to rest. He'll go, okay, I have to stop, right? Uh, but we enter into God's blessing and his joys we do this. Now, flip over to Matthew. Because when you get to Matthew, uh, there's been a long enough time since the Old Testament and since Exodus that uh, as, as the teachers of Israel kind of got a hold of this and tried to figure out how do we live this out, what happened is they ended up adding a lot of kind of rules to a lot of the laws. And things became kind of legalistic. So in the tradition of the rabbis, there would be like hundreds of little kind of addendums to like, if you do this, you break the Sabbath. If you do this, you break the Sabbath. Like, if you do that, that counts as work. Don't do that. So there's all this kind of extra stuff added. And that's why when the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they see the disciples taking the grain, they're like, well, they're breaking the Sabbath. Not really. They're breaking kind of the extra rules. And so Jesus is purposely freeing Sabbath from being this confining thing to being life-giving thing. Do you see how that works? They're worried about kind of trapping him in it. Jesus says, no, you kind of miss the whole point. And he kind of pulls Sabbath out from what's become a really burdensome legalistic system and restores it back to this life-giving relationship with God. It's really cool. Jesus does this all the time with the commandments. He's bringing life to people. So take a look at at Matthew 12, uh, the first part. There's two parts here about, uh, he gives the example of David, and he gives the example of the priests. And very quickly, the example of David is an Old Testament story um, where David was hungry, had nowhere to go, went to the temple and ate bread that he shouldn't have eaten, and was profaning Sabbath by doing so. 
And Jesus says, no one's condemning him for that. Scripture doesn't condemn him for that. So what's up with that? But he just kind of leaves it hanging. And the second one, he says, well, the priests have to do their duties on the Sabbath. They have to work on the Sabbath to kind of keep the temple going. So aren't they breaking the Sabbath? The Pharisees don't really say anything. But Jesus' point is, God makes allowances within the law when it comes to bringing life and goodness to people. In David's case, it's emergency. It's okay. It's all right. And in the priest's case, this is given by God. They're allowed to do this. It's okay. Um, that's why I can feel good about Sunday. Sunday's not my Sabbath. This is work day for me. It's the first day of my week. My work is Monday, right? Uh, my Sabbath happens on Friday or Saturday. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. Uh, because Sunday ends up being my main work day. Jesus says, look, this is, if, uh, if you understood the law is not so much about keeping you and you kind of living rigidly for it, but about bringing you life. You understand this. And then what's he do? He turns around and goes into the synagogue. Now look at uh, verse 9. All right? He went on from there, entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because they want to accuse him. If he says yes, pardon me, they're going to say, no, you can't do that. That would be counting his worth. Um, it's not life threatening. This guy's hand issue, right? He can go about the rest of the day. He's not about to die. Uh, so you should wait to heal him until the next day. That's their thinking. And what's Jesus do? He says, Which one of you has a sheep? If it's life threatening, falls into the pit on the Sabbath, you're going to pick up your sheep. But this guy is more important than a sheep. And even though that hand's not life threatening, here's the thing with Sabbath. And he says to this, yeah, he says, uh, Verse 12, How much more value is a man than a sheep? It's lawful, right? This is the issue about what's, what's lawful, what's not lawful. It's lawful to do what? Do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus as the Messiah can authoritative, authoritatively interpret the law. And he says, no, this is not about what you can't do. Sabbath is about what you can do to restore God's life and God's love to people around you. Isn't that great? He, he takes it from being kind of the centered thing on yourself, but I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, and says, actually, where can you go and extend the life and goodness of God to your neighbor? That's out. Do the things that bring life. And that's what he does. And then the passage ends, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and Jesus is the one who says to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Then we can trust that to follow him means to continue in this rhythm of taking Sabbath rest and resting in his goodness and knowing it's okay. You see how that works? So Jesus doesn't abolish the Sabbath. He fulfills it. It's about loving people. He points, it's like he points it away from being about stuff you do. It says, actually, you can rest and do good on this day because it's actually about me. And he turns Sabbath from being a thing you look inwards at and says, look to me, look to Christ. Sabbath is about recognizing my rest from all my striving to save myself and all my stuff to find my own identity and all the ways I try to make friends and influence people and all that stuff. All that stuff is second to my identity in Christ. All that stuff isn't what makes me who I am. It's Jesus who makes me who I am. And Sabbath is an intentional way every week of, of purposefully living that out and saying, I'm not defined by my work as a pastor. I'm defined by who I am in Jesus Christ. You can say that about whatever it is you set your hand to every day. So that's kind of the biblical overview. 
let's take a couple minutes and just ask, how do we live this out? How do you live about Sabbath? Um, questions for you, so you can write this down. If you're not taking Sabbath, what's stopping you from taking Sabbath? Is it a crazy work life? I don't know. Ask yourself, what is it? What, what's going on? You know? Is there something you need to cut out? I don't know, I can't ask that for you. That's between you and Jesus. Uh, what, when you go to half Sabbath, what are some of the really good things that are important for you but that you need to put aside? There's things I can work on as pastor all the time that I just purposely don't do on Friday or Saturday, which every day I kind of Sabbath day on. They're good things. It's not about them being bad. It's about saying, I don't need to do this right now. So when I get to Thursday, Friday, Friday Saturday, when I get to Thursday at 4.30, whatever I have for my sermon, that's my sermon. I don't go back to it Saturday. I don't, I don't start going over it all Saturday night. Whatever I've got, the end of my work week, that's what I'm doing this morning. And that's a commitment. I could easily pull up my stuff and start going over it all and tweaking it and adding this and taking this up, but I don't. It's not a bad thing to do, but it's about saying, I don't need to get distracted by this on my day off. Because who's going to suffer if I don't? If I start going there? It's my family, right? So this is about restoring joy in life to people around us and to ourselves through God. And it's about putting aside some things that are good and saying, this can wait. So what's stopping you from living it out? What are things you need to lay aside? What do you need to do to maybe rearrange your life so you can take this day? Uh, whatever day of the week it might be. I know some of us have crazy work lives. Maybe we can't do it every week for whatever reason. I think God will honor you as you recognize in your heart, Lord, I need to give you this time. And I can't do it for whatever reason because of the obligations I have. But Lord, here's these four hours, whatever it is. And I think as you work through that season, you know, seasons in our life don't last forever. There'll come a point where you can give them a whole kind of day again. Some of you are like, I take like five days off to be Sabbath, man. Like, whatever. It's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, don't worry about um, The other question is, what will it mean in terms of giving up? Is there something Is there something that you'll be missing out when it comes to work? Probably. Will it mean not getting that raised? Maybe. Are you okay to trust that to God? Will it mean not doing something mindless for entertainment on that day? Yeah, probably. Is it okay to turn off Netflix? Probably, yeah. Really, will we? Uh, is it okay not to watch that movie? Probably. It's not that the movie's bad, but is that what you need to really restore your soul on that day? You see what I mean? It's not that everything's bad. It's about saying, God, I need to really focus on what's essential. There's a few things at stake if you don't do it. The first is we can damage ourselves. If you don't take Sabbath, eventually your sickness or your pneumonia or your cancer or your heart attack is going to be Sabbath to you. Sabbath's going to show up whether you want it or not. You'll get sick and need to take a break, right? And we all know people who work so hard and had a heart attack and you know, now they're off. Right? That's the first thing. You will wear yourself out if you don't take a day off. Your body's made have limits, right? Um, secondly, you'll miss out on time with your family. And I remember a family coming to talk to me a couple months ago now, and uh, the husband was lamenting. Uh, he told a story just about how he, he, he'd been working a lot uh, when his kids were young, and uh, kind of got up one morning and looked over at his, uh, his daughter and looked at his wife and said, when did she get so old? What happened? Wasn't she like four? 
just a month ago, and now she's like 13. So not only if we don't take this, will it mess with us? You know, if we don't take Sabbath, that we will get sick. It will harm ourselves, but it's going to harm your relationship with one another. If you don't want to stop and be with your family, you're going to regret that 10 years from now. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, you quit your job or anything. I'm just saying this Sabbath helps point you to spend the time with people you love. You need to do that, folks. Those of you that have families, you need to do that. Um, the third one is probably the worst thing. Um, but by neglecting Sabbath, are we maybe telling God that we don't think we need it? And if God thinks we need it, and I don't think I need it, am I calling God a liar? Because it kind of. Right? And that's something to really check your heart on. How do we live this out then, just as we take the last couple minutes? Um, four things. Four things that I think stop can be for you. When you think, okay, I understand biblically that's probably good for me to do. I understand if I don't. Uh, I'll run myself on the ground. Yeah, good. Uh, what do I actually do, Nick? Like, what, what do I actually do when Silas shows up? Um, embrace the things that give you life. And stop from the things that aren't that are necessary. Not the things that aren't necessary. Stop from the things that are necessary. But embrace what gives you life. So what brings you joy? What brings you life? You can write it down. Like is it I don't know, whatever it is. That's the kind of thing you need to do on Sabbath. You need to find something that rejuvenates you and brings you joy. And what are the things that feel really necessary? Like is there work around the house that on your day off you're like, I need to go do that thing? If it's Sabbath, don't do it. It may be really important, but my guess is if it's not this long, you can sit another day, right? You don't need to do it. This is the day that God gives you to not worry about stuff you're supposed to do. And you can just rest. It sounds kind of backwards, right? It sounds irresponsible, but it actually is about taking care of yourself. Sabbath is about rest and, and stopping to find Christ at the center. That's the first one, is rest. What are the things that bring you rest. You have permission on your Sabbath not to do all the things you're supposed to do, but to do the things that you want to, the things that bring you life, the things you get to do. So rest. What are the things that are going to bring you rest? Secondly, what are, what are the things that uh, that will bring you joy? Like, is there If rest is the first word, the second word I would say is play. What are the things that are like a holy waste of time for you? Like, when was the last time you did something really thrilling? You just didn't feel confined by that, worried that I don't have time for this. There's room here to say uh, Jesus makes the world good. And so Sabbath might mean resting in him, but it also might mean uh, enjoying some kind of sport with your friends. It might mean enjoying something that's really fun to do. It might mean, as you're a musician, playing in a band. It might mean playing with your kids. It might mean reading. It might mean going for a walk. It might mean getting a really good cup of coffee. It might mean taking a nap, right? This is the stuff you get to do. It's really fun. Uh, so rest, play, uh, do something not because it's it has value, um, but do it because it's an anticipation of the life in Christ that is to come, when we will enjoy Him in His glory. And you can have a kind of foretaste of that now. Third, some of this is about taking stock of where you're at with God. So I would say, listen and wait. Wait on the Lord. Is there is there a gap between where you are now and where you want to be with God? And now is a good day to sit down and just take stock of your life. Lord, where am I at? 
as I take this day to not focus on work and not focus on uh, how I need to upkeep my house or whatever it is. Um, and maybe you've got young kids and it's hard to take the day. And trust me, you really know what that's like. But as you take that day and go, God, this is where I would want to be in my walk with you. I need to take this, this next hour while the kids are napping or whatever it is and just rest in your presence. I don't have any other time this week to do that. So rest, play, listen and wait on the Lord. And fourth is worship. This is meant to be a holy day. So if you can make it Sunday, it is a good day to make your Sabbath because you get to come and worship and fellowship with everybody. And then, one of the best thing you can do is go home and have a nap. And then get together with people for supper. Like have a little feast. As we talked about two weeks ago, fantastic way to spend the Sabbath. But do something that will bring you rest. Do something that will bring you joy. But focus also specifically on God. It's a holy day. It's a day where He brings His life to us and we can focus on Him. Um, some schedules mean we have to take Sabbath on different days. Don't let that stop you, folks. If you can, uh, if your Sabbath is a Thursday, then just go for it. You know? A lot of us have requirements and, and expectations that follow us week after week and, and stuff that happens. But I tell you, I remember Martin Luther, he had this quote that I remember reading by the school. And he said, I have so much to do. If I don't take three hours every day to pray, I won't get it done. There's something about spending the time with God and resting in Him that actually enables us to do the things we need to do well. And when we keep trying to do all the stuff without making the space for God, it just, it doesn't go as well. It just seems harder to do. So I challenge you to, if you're not doing this weekly, that begin to find whatever day it can be uh, where you can ask, uh, what brings me life? And make, make room for that. What brings me life? What are the things that I need, I need to just stop doing? Maybe it's like you're kind of addicted to your phone. Just turn it off for a day. It's okay. Yeah, it really is. Um, maybe it's something else. I don't know. You guys know. But Sabbath becomes this, this really beautiful invitation for us guys of of resting in God's goodness and realizing I could just run around like crazy trying to do stuff and keep my work going. But I'd rather need to just rest in God and know that He keeps this world going, not me. It's not my accomplishment that I find. It's, it's who I am in Christ. And if I don't take the time to kind of abide in Him and, and press into that, then what am I doing? So I hope that's helpful for you. And I hope that as you as you head into even this next week, you can say, God, here's the day I'm going to take to just set aside the time for you. And the other thing about Sabbath is it's it's not just a day off. Because see, day off, days off, holidays, uh, they get filled with kind of useless stuff sometimes. Do you ever find this? Like, I can get really distracted on stuff that doesn't give me life. And I think that I'm resting. I think I'm entertaining myself, but I'm not. I get to the end of that day and I'm like, I should have spent the time doing this instead. And so sometimes it's not about just resting from work, it's, it's reevaluating what we do for entertainment and going, what's really going to bring you joy and rest and goodness in this place? And that's what you want to rest into. Um, I'm going to invite the community ushers to come up, and as we get ready for the table, I'm going to pray for us that we. Um, we learn to experience God's rest in this way. That even as we come to the table, this is the place of remembering his death and his resurrection. It's the place of recognizing that 
Our life's not defined by needs. It's defined by who God is. As good as your work is, if God has called you to work, and there's value in your human vocation, and can't give that this morning, it's all very, very good. But the rhythm of work and rest is so important, and it's so biblically wise. So that's new for you when you struggle with that. I really encourage you to bring that to God and say, God, how can I how can I take this out of it? Show me how to do that, Lord. I don't know how, I don't know what to put aside. Show me how to do that, Lord.